Chapter Twelve of *The House of the Arrow* by A. E. W. Mason. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The Breaking of the Seals. A few minutes later, Jim Frobisher had to admit that Hanaud guessed very luckily. He would not allow that it was more than a guess. Monsieur Hanaud might be a thorough little Mister Know-all, but no insight, however brilliant, could inform him of so accidental a circumstance but there the fact was frobisher did arrive at the maison grenelle to his great discomfort before betty harlow he had loitered with hanaud at the cafe just so that this might not take place he shrank from being alone with anne upcott now that he suspected her the most he could hope to do was to conceal the reason of his trouble the trouble itself in her presence he could not conceal she made his case the more difficult perhaps by a rather wistful expression of sympathy you are distressed she said gently but surely you need not be any longer what i said this morning was true it was half-past ten when that dreadful whisper reached my ears betty was a mile away amongst her friends in a ballroom nothing can shake that it is not on her account that i am troubled he cried and anne looked at him with startled eyes Betty crossed the court and joined them in the hall before Anne could ask a question, and throughout their luncheon he made conversation upon indifferent subjects with rapidity, if without entertainment. Fortunately, there was no time to spare. They were still, indeed, smoking their cigarettes over their coffee when Gaston informed them that the commissaire of police with his secretary was waiting in the library this is mr frobisher my solicitor in london said betty as she presented jim the commissaire monsieur giraudot was a stout bald middle-aged man with a pair of folding glasses sitting upon a prominent fat nose his secretary maurice savenet was a tall good-looking novice in the police administration a trifle flashy in his appearance and in his own esteem one would gather rather a conqueror amongst the fair i have asked monsieur bex mademoiselle's notary in dijon to be present said jim that is quite in order replied the commissaire and monsieur bex was at that moment announced he came on the very moment of three the clock was striking as he bowed in the doorway everything was just as it should be monsieur bex was pleased with monsieur le commissaire's consent he said smiling we can now proceed with the final ceremonies of this affair we wait for monsieur hanaud said the commissaire hanaud hanaud of the surete of paris who has been invited by the examining magistrate to take charge of this case the commissaire explained case cried monsieur bex in perplexity but there is no case for hanaud to take charge of and betty harlow drew him a little aside whilst she gave the little notary some rapid summary of the incidents of the morning jim went out of the room into the hall in search of hanaud he saw him at once but to his surprise hanaud came forward from the back of the hall as if he had entered the house from the garden i sought you in the dining-room he said pointing to the door of that room which certainly was at the back of the house behind the library with its entrance behind the staircase we will join the others hanaud was presented to monsieur bex and this gentleman asked hanaud bowing slightly to thevenet my secretary maurice thevenet said the commissaire 
and in a loud undertone a charming youth of an intelligence which is surprising he will go far hanaud looked at thevenet with a friendly interest the young recruit gazed at the great man with kindling eyes this will be an opportunity for me monsieur hanaud by which if i do not profit i prove myself of no intelligence at all he said with a formal modesty which quite went to the heart of monsieur bex that is very correct said he hanaud for his part was never averse to flattery he cocked an eye at jim frobisher he shook the secretary warmly by the hand then don't hesitate to ask me questions my young friend he answered i am hanaud now yes but i was once young maurice thevenet without alas his good looks maurice thevenet blushed with the most becoming diffidence that is very kind said monsieur bex this looks like growing into a friendly little family party jim frobisher thought and he quite welcomed a hum and a ha from the commissaire he moved to the centre of the room we girardot commissaire of police will now remove the seals he said pompously he led the way from the library across the hall and along the corridor to the wide door of mrs harlow's bedroom he broke the seals and removed the bands then he took a key from the hand of his secretary and opened the door upon a shuttered room the little company of people surged forward hanaud stretched out his arms and barred the way just for a moment please he ordered and over his shoulder jim frobisher had a glimpse of the room which made him shiver this morning in the garden some thrill of the chase had made him for a moment eager that hanaud should press on that development should follow upon development until somewhere a criminal stood exposed since the hour however which he had spent upon the tower of the terrace all thought of the chase appalled him and he waited for developments in fear this bedroom mistily lit by a few stray threads of daylight which pierced through the chinks of the shutters cold and silent and mysterious was for him peopled with phantoms whose faces no one could see who struggled dimly in the shadows then hanaud and the commissaire crossed to the windows opposite opened them and flung back the shutters the clear bright light flooded every corner in an instant and brought to jim frobisher relief the room was swept and clean the chairs ranged against the wall the bed flat and covered with an embroidered spread everywhere there was order it was as empty of suggestion as a vacant bedroom in an hotel hanaud looked about him yes he said this room stood open for a week after madame's funeral it would have been a miracle if we discovered anything which could help us he went to the bed which stood with its head against the wall midway between the door and the windows a small flat stand with a button of enamel lay upon the round table by the bedside and from the stand a cord ran down by the table leg and disappeared under the carpet this is the bell into what was the maid's bedroom i suppose he said turning towards betty yes hanaud stooped and minutely examined the cord but there was no sign that it had ever been tampered with he stood up again mademoiselle will you take monsieur gilardeau into jean baudin's room and close the door i shall press this button and you will know whether the bell rings whilst we here shall be able to assure ourselves whether sounds made in one of the rooms would be heard in the other oh certainly 
betty took the commissaire of police away and a few seconds later those in mrs harlow's room heard a door close in the corridor will you shut our door now if you please hanaud requested bex the notary closed it now silence if you please hanaud pressed the button and not a sound answered him he pressed it again and again with the same result the commissaire returned to the room well hanaud asked it rang twice said the commissaire hanaud shrugged his shoulders with a laugh and an electric bell has a shrill penetrating sound he cried name of a name but they built good houses when the maison grenelle was built are the cupboards and drawers open he tried one and found it locked Monsieur bex came forward all the drawers were locked on the morning when madame harlow's death was discovered mademoiselle harlow herself locked them in my presence and handed to me the keys for the purpose of making an inventory mademoiselle was altogether correct in so doing for until the funeral had taken place the terms of the will were not disclosed but afterwards when you took the inventory you must have unlocked them i have not yet begun the inventory monsieur hanaud there were the arrangements for the funeral a list of the properties to be made for valuation and the vineyards to be administered oh cried hanaud alertly then these wardrobes and cupboards and drawers should hold exactly what they held on the night of the twenty seventh of april he ran quickly about the room trying a door here a drawer there and came to a stop beside a cupboard fashioned in the thickness of the wall the trouble is that a child with a bent wire could unlock any one of them do you know what madame harlow kept in this monsieur bex and hanaud rapped with his knuckles upon the cupboard door no i have no idea shall i open it and bex produced a bunch of keys from his pocket oh not for the moment i think said hanaud he had been dawdling over the locks and the drawers as though time meant nothing to him at all he now swung briskly back into the centre of the room making notes it seemed frobisher of its geography the door opening from the corridor faced across the length of the floor the two tall windows above the garden if one stood in the doorway facing these windows the bed was on the left hand on the corridor side of the bed a second smaller door which was half open led to a white tiled bathroom on the window side of the bed was the cupboard in the wall about the height of a woman's shoulders a dressing-table stood between the windows a great fireplace broke the right-hand wall and in that same wall close to the right-hand window there was yet another door hanaud moved to it this is the door of the dressing-room he asked of anne upcott and without waiting for an answer pushed it open Monsieur bex followed upon his heels with his keys rattling everything here has been locked up too he said hanaud paid not the slightest attention he opened the shutters it was a narrow room without any fireplace at all and with a door exactly opposite to the door by which hanaud had entered he went at once to this door and this must be the communicating door which leads into what is called the treasure room he said and he paused with his hand upon the knob and his eyes ranging alertly over the faces of the company yes said anne upcott jim was conscious of a queer thrill he thought of the opening of some newly discovered tomb of a pharaoh in a hillside of the valley of kings suspense passed from one to the other as they waited but hanaud did not move 
he stood there impassive and still like some guardian image at the door of the tomb jim felt that he was never going to move and in a voice of exasperation he cried is the door locked hanaud replied in a quiet but a singular voice no doubt he too felt that strange current of emotion and expectancy which bound all in the room under a spell and even gave to their diverse faces for a moment a kind of family similitude i don't know yet whether it's locked or not he said but since this room is now the private sitting-room of mademoiselle harlow i think that we ought to wait until she rejoins us Monsieur Bex just had time to remark with approval, that is very correct, before Betty's fresh, clear voice rang out from the doorway leading to Mrs. Harlow's bedroom. I'm here. Hanaud turned the handle. The door was not locked. It opened at a touch, inwards towards the group of people and upwards towards the corridor. The treasure room was before them, shrouded in dim light, but here and there a beam of light sparkled upon gold and held out a promise of wonders hanaud picked his way daintily to the windows and fastened the shutters back against the outside wall i beg that nothing shall be touched he said as the others filed into the room End of chapter twelve